0: Good morning, morning. if you'd open your Bibles to uh, Ephesians 5 this morning, I just love Ben McClurkin saying that Labrador retrievers are not creating the image of God, that made my morning, I was like, yeah, I know giraffes are not, but Labradors, come on, okay, Ephesians chapter 5. Okay, so let me give you uh, just some background information. Um, Paul is addressing his, his readers at, as believers, and he's, towards the end here, he's giving them five ways to walk. And the, the last is here. So he uses that word walk five different times. Verse 15, he says, walk in wisdom. And then from verse 15 here and 5, all the way to chapter 6, 9, he he unpacks how to walk in wisdom. And the first thing he says in terms of walking in wisdom is don't be drunk with wine but be filled with the holy spirit. Now, we've covered a lot of ground with the spirit so far. Remember he's Paul's already said that they were sealed with the holy spirit, which is like a mark upon their life that they are the Lord's. He's told them don't grieve the spirit. And now he tells him, look, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's a command. Be filled with the Holy Spirit command, which makes it a duty to the believer to pursue being filled with the Spirit. And so then the question that, that raises in my mind, and maybe yours, is well, how do I know if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? Or how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does that look like? So that's what we're going to look at this morning. If you would look at chapter 5 and just read along with me, I'm going to pick up at verse 15 and just read down to verse 18. Now, we did skip a little chunk here, and that's because uh, Caleb had COVID. He'd already prepared to teach and preach that. So I just jumped ahead, and he'll come back to that uh, next week. Verse 15. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's stop there. If you would, please pray with me. Father, thank you for the Spirit. Lord, I just... Jesus says it's better that I go... I'm not leaving you as orphans. It's better that I go because the Spirit's going to come. And thank you for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. And he dwells in us. We are his temple, Lord. And he is the seal that we are yours. He is the mark upon us, upon our hearts and our minds. He produces incredible fruit. He transforms us. He gives us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, Faithfulness, self-control. Lord, and we want to be men and women who are sensitive to the Spirit. We want to hear His voice. Lord, we want Him to speak to us through the pages of Scripture. Lord, and we want to be filled with Him. Like you, you've already said that we're filled with the fullness of God. And and so we want to go on being filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. God, and so teach us what that means right now. Lord, and for those of us here through through the example Paul gives here is alcohol, who have quenched the Holy Spirit, have grieved him, have very much lost his warmth in our life. I pray, Father, that there would be a godly sorrow and a turning from that, and a turning back to you, and that you would fill them. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's a great deal of false teaching on, on being filled with the Holy Spirit, And so much so that being filled with the Spirit often can become like another gospel, right? And so people might say to you something like this, Oh, yes, you say that you believe in Jesus, but are you filled with the Holy Spirit? In essence, have you really arrived? I can remember years ago when I was living in Asia, I took a 14-hour car trip with two other missionaries and it became very apparent as, as we were going down these dirty roads that they were evangelizing me <laughs> for something. And so they were asking me, tell us, your, tell us your conversion story. Tell us about your Christian experience, Rusty. And eventually they said, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I'd only been a believer for a handful of years. I didn't really know what that meant. And so I wasn't sure, and I said, "Well, how do I know?" And they said, "Well, you will know because you speak in tongues, and maybe you prophesy." And I thought, "Well, I, I, at this point in my life, I don't speak in tongues." And then they quickly took me to Acts two, where the Spirit came down, and Peter and disciples spoke in tongues. And They said, "Look there! If you're really filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to speak in tongues." And here to Ephesians five eighteen, look here, Rusty. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And sitting in that car, only Dr. Seuss, in his book, The Sneetches, could summarize how I felt. And here it is. Now, the star-bellied sneetches had bellies with stars. The plain-bellied sneetches had none upon theirs. The star-bellied sneetches would brag, We're the best sneetches on the beaches. And we will have nothing to do with you plain-belly sort. And I realized I was a plain-belly sort of snitch. (laughs) Hey, in Ephesians 5.18, Paul gives two commands relating to walking wisely. He says, first, don't be a drunkard. And then he says, second, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's that's how he starts, wisdom. And I want to ask, maybe this is an area in your life that you are confused in. Or maybe you've been approached with such a question, and maybe you've been f- made to feel that if you don't speak in tongues or have gifts of prophecy, that you have not received the Holy Spirit. And so you feel like you're a second-class citizen, or as Dr. Seuss says, a sneetch that has no stars. Like one friend told me, Rusty, I, I prayed for a year to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Nothing happened. I felt maybe I'm, I'm not really a Christian. God doesn't really love me like he loves some others. And so this morning, our main idea is, is just a question. What does it mean for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What, what's Paul saying here? And so we want to look at it with two things. We just want to look at his two commands. First command he gives is, that we must not be saturated with alcohol. So if you look in your Bibles with me, at verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery. Stop right there. Well, so why does Paul put this here, right? It it seems a little bit out of sorts that he's talking about the Holy Spirit, and he's talking about wisdom, and and this is where he starts? Well, there's a whole cultural context here. This culture in Ephesus, they, they knew drunkenness. The Ephesians would know that the cult of the day, of, of, it's called Dionysus, the god of wine, locally everyone knew it, participated. They believed that by getting drunk, the spirit of Dionysus would enter the worshiper's body to do the deity's will. So so intoxication was part of their worship experience, and part of what they believe led them into inspiration. Now, there's no evidence here that it's necessarily in the church like it was in Corinthians. But they struggled, we see, maybe not with getting intoxicated, but it was all around them. And probably some of them had a history with it. And so, therefore, Paul says, don't get drunk with wine. Now, I, I, I want to just focus on that for a second. I heard a pastor one time, he told me, he said, Rusty, how, how do you define drunk? When, when do you cross the line into sin? Is it, is it one drink? And, of course, his argument is you should never drink at all because you don't know when you're going to cross the line. But the word drunk here literally means to be soaked through. Okay, take note of that. It means to be filled, soaked through like a baby's diaper in the morning. It's soaked through, right? So he's not saying don't have a glass of wine. He's saying don't be soaked. Don't be soaked with alcohol. And the result of soaked is you're filled or you get drunk. And then he says, and it it leads to debauchery. And you say, okay, Rusty, that's a big word. What does debauchery mean? And I found my answer as I was digging into it in this Story of Luke 15, the, the prodigal son. And if you remember that story, the, the youngest brother takes his inheritance and he goes and he leaves. And this is what Luke 15, 13 says. He wasted his money in reckless living. Now that's the same word. Reckless living is debauchery. It's, a, it's the exact same word. That's what we read here. So, so think of it like this. Don't be drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living or destructiveness. In other words, Paul is saying, if you drink too much, if you get intoxicated, if your life is soaked with alcohol, it leads to foolish conduct. It leads to you being reckless in your decision making. And you lose the ability then to walk in the wisdom that he's calling us to walk in. All right? You know, when, and you say, okay, let me just say it like this. This is where I see this very often, that when Christians discover grace, I see so many believers that they they come out of a more harsh, legalistic, law-binding setting, and they discover grace, Christian freedom. And the pendulum then doesn't swing to the middle, it swings way too far over. And so what ends up happening is they start indulging into things because the legalism they've been in in the past, they've often been so afraid to touch anything, they might lose their salvation. So one of the things that they can enter into is alcohol. And what I have seen very often is instead of enjoying grace and freedom, grace swings to become license. And I have seen several pastors, elders, Wonderful Christian brothers and sisters become alcoholics under the guise of freedom and grace. Their life is soaked, like Paul says here. So yes, if the Son has set us free, you're free indeed. And biblically, we are called to fight for freedom. But freedom and grace are to help us to know Christ more, not to hinder it. And that's what Paul is saying here. Don't let alcohol hinder you in knowing Christ by leading you to a reckless lifestyle like the prodigal. And so Paul says, all things are permissible for believers, for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are permissible, but I'm not going to be enslaved by anything. So there is no sin in having a beer. Or a glass of wine. But just like with all good things, watch yourself closely that it does not become a hindrance in your pursuit of knowing Christ and becomes enslaving in the end. And notice that there, there is a reason Paul puts these two things in opposition, right? Drunk with rind, which leads to recklessness, in opposition to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because if your life is saturated with alcohol, it will not be saturated with the Spirit. And what will lead you then is not the fruits of the Spirit, but a life of recklessness. So we're to watch our hearts carefully. Second, Let's go to the second thing. His second commandment is then this. You must be saturated with the Spirit. (laughs) Don't be saturated with wine. Be saturated with the Spirit. Look there in your Bibles with me. Notice how he says it. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I need to explain just a few things before we exactly get to what Paul means here. First is this. What does it mean to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Okay. Well, where does that idea come from? Let me read you John one thirty three. He of whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So John is saying, look, I pour water over you Jesus is going to pour out the Holy Spirit on your life. And Acts 2 says, they were together and the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. So the baptism of the Spirit that John said Jesus is going to do in your life, it is a one-time experience. When you become a Christian, you receive the baptism of the Spirit. Acts 2, he's poured out upon your lives. It happens to every believer. Not just snitches with Stars. Romans 8, 9 says this, If anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ, it it doesn't belong to Him. So if you've not been baptized in the Spirit, He's not been poured out upon your life, you're not sealed with Him, then you're not a believer. Now, this Holy Spirit then bears witness that you are His child. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So there's something new that happens. You're baptized, the Spirit's poured out upon every believer. If that's not happened, then you're not a believer, and that Spirit begins to bear witness to you that you are a child of God. He begins to give you new desires, changed desires, begins to work, to convict, to make you Christ-like. So if you find yourself in a Car in the middle of Mongolia, and there are two missionaries, and they say, Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? And you can say, Yes, I have, brother, sister. When I became a Christian, the Holy Spirit was poured out on me and I was baptized with him. Okay. Now, baptism happens when you become a Christian. Okay, Rusty, so what about being filled with the Holy Spirit? And I'm going to look at that in two different ways, okay? First is this. There is a filling of the Holy Spirit for special and extraordinary purposes. Okay? And then there's an ordinary filling. So let's look at this first. There is an extraordinary filling of the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches us that the Spirit fills certain people to perform certain tasks. And this starts in the Old Testament. So in Exodus 31, Bezalel, the gifted artisan... It says this, I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all manners of workmanship. So to build the ark, God poured out the Holy Spirit, filled Bezalel, so that he might do that. Same in the book of Judges. Now, Luke 1, before Acts, before Pentecost, John's mother, John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth, She was filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. She lifted up her voice and spoke. She was filled with the Holy Spirit so she could speak prophetically to Mary about what was happening in her life. Now, what about then, Rusty, after the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What about after Acts 2 when the Spirit was poured out? So this is Acts 2.4. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. So that's Pentecost. the Holy Spirit is poured out like is promised in Joel 2, and Jesus spoke about, After that, do you still see the Holy Spirit coming upon people extraordinarily to fill them? And the answer is, yes. Acts 48: Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them. Acts 40:31. And when they had been they had prayed the place which they were gathered was shaken and they were filled with the holy spirit with Peter again and again and again before he is going to speak or preach or do something remarkable the bible says he's filled with the holy spirit the same for Paul and notice filled with the holy spirit all the way through the bible for particular acts of glorifying God. Now I want to tell you God still does that today. It's not just something in scripture. My my brother-in-law was in Washington and uh, working there and there was a politician coming down the steps and he felt compelled by the spirit, he jumped up on a piece of stone about like this and the man's coming down and he yells at him he does do he's good at this (laughs) but he yells at him hey you need to repent he didn't know what of that next week it came out that this man was having an affair cheating on his wife and it had a child out of wedlock the Holy Spirit came upon Keith during that time and led him to call this politician to repentance. So as people are serving God, walking in faith, he fills them for power. It's not just something in the pages of Scripture. God still works like that today. And I'd say he works like that in three main areas. 2 Timothy 1.7 You've not been given a spirit of timidity. Power love, and self-discipline. He still fills us for works of power, mainly in communicating the gospel or glorifying His name. Secondly, He fills you for extraordinary acts of love. He does. And thirdly, self-control. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, giving you power to have self-control in times of extreme temptation. So there's that. The filling of the Holy Spirit. You are baptized in the Spirit. Sometimes He will come upon the believer. But that's not what Paul is saying here. Look at 5.18 again with me. Be filled, he says, with the Spirit. And the idea is, go on being filled with the Spirit. Let let it be your constant condition. Not under the influence of wine. Live under the influence of the Spirit. He means your heart, your mind, your words, your life being led and controlled by the Spirit. Paul exhorts us, go on, go on, continue living under the Spirit. This is exactly what we see in the book of Acts. Acts 6.3 Therefore, brothers, pick out from amongst you seven men of good repute, filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts eleven twenty four 24 about Barnabas he was a good man filled with the Holy Spirit so being with filled with the Spirit it's not always just a question of power it's a command go on living under his influence ok Rusty how do you take this from your head to your heart so that maybe it impacts your life this week and let's close with two things two things Okay, Paul says, go on living under the influence of the Spirit. How do I walk filled with the Holy Spirit? You don't need to travel the world looking for that blessing, that great movement. I would say this is a decision you make in your life just as you decide to be controlled by alcohol. So walk being controlled by the Spirit. It's a command. Continue being under the influence of the Spirit. And you say, how? Well, I'm going to give you two do's and two don'ts from Scripture. First is this. Don't grieve Him. Don't grieve the Spirit. He's a person. Don't allow the lust of the flesh to control and lead you. It grieves the Holy Spirit. Second, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Now, that means He's always leading you giving you thoughts, words, ideas, prayers, truth. And when we say no to that, we begin to quench Him. Don't grieve Him. Don't quench Him. Okay, what to do? Two things. Remember who lives in you. He lives in you. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you? Your house your body is not alone. You need to understand that. You have a guest always living in you. God dwells in you. Remember that. Second, desire fellowship with Him. You need to commune with Him. 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with you. It is a relationship which must be built and sustained. There are no shortcuts then for communing with God, just like children and wives and relationships and husbands. To build a relationship, it takes time, it takes effort on your part. There's no conference you can go to. It takes your time to meet and speak with Him, to read His Word, to get to know Him, to get to know His voice and His leading. And therefore, Paul says, Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Lastly, is this. Let's close with this. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Maybe you're a Christian and you have walked little under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And the great news for you today is the Spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. And I want to encourage you the Spirit is always willing to commune, to lead, to guide, to comfort you. And it is the flesh that is weak. So that when we think about prayer or worship or His Word, the flesh doesn't want to. <laughs> but the Spirit does. And so I want to have a time where we just pray right now and we, we seek the Lord. And we confess, Lord, I have not walked under the influence of the Holy Spirit Maybe it's your flesh. Maybe it's alcohol, like Paul talks about here, or something else that your life is soaked in. And ask that he would fill you and continue to lead and guide you each and every day. Please pray with me. Lord, thank you that, uh, Jesus, you didn't leave us as orphans. Our body is your home. You dwell upon us. Your thumbprint is upon us in the Spirit. And He's a person. And we can grieve Him. We can also commune with Him. Lord, thank You that He loves to speak to us primarily through the Word, Lord. He loves to tell us what's true. And Paul says here that we are not to be saturated with alcohol, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray right now that You'd show us other things in our life that have saturated us, that have quenched or grieved the Holy Spirit? Lord, are there things that we've given our heart and mind and our time to, that have given Him no place, the things that we listen to, that direct us, that guide us, that call us, which quench Him? And we want to confess those now to you. Father, thank you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit that every believer has. Thank you for the extraordinary seasons the Holy Spirit comes upon us. He warms our hearts. He uses us to do remarkable things for your glory. But thank you for the ordinary, daily, walking, glorifying you in every simple thing that we do, which comes by the power of the Spirit. And I pray right now that you would fill each and every man, woman, child who's a believer with the Holy Spirit right now. Warm our hearts. Let us know love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Let those things be the fruits of our lives, oh God. And may that continue. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's stand together, please. We're going to respond by closing with a...